This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week, and we talk about your mind, your attitude, your focus on this show, and sports, and coaching, and relationships, and parents, and kids, and motivation, and attitudes, and confidence. This show is about you, and I delve into topics that I think will be of interest to all of you as we spend this next hour together. I have been here at Sports Radio 810 WHB for the last 18 years. I'm on my 28th year on radio, and our show's now in numerous cities around the country. I've been a sports psychologist for 38 years, and I've practiced with athletes at all levels of competition. I've been fortunate enough to work with some tremendous people throughout my career and had the privilege to meet some really dynamic coaches, athletes, just people. I love doing this show every week because we talk about you on here, and I take your calls and we get into discussions. And, you know, every week I try to come up with a topic that I think will be of value to discuss. The past week, there's been a lot talked about in regards to coaching. And obviously, with the NBA and NHL playoffs about to start, you'll be hearing a lot about coaching there. Major League Baseball is going Managers, coaches are interviewed all the time. Coaching styles, motivational styles are discussed. Recently, we've had some situations in college basketball where some coaches have been put under the gun. Michigan State's Tom Izzo was criticized heavily in the opening round of the NCAA championships for really being pretty ticked off at one of his players, a freshman player, who wasn't doing his job. Is was yelling at him. He got criticized by a lot of people for that. A lot of people said my son would never be on a team he coached. Well, Izzo's been coaching a long time. He's in the Final Four. I've never met him, but I think he knows exactly what he's doing. He's an intense guy. Is yelling and screaming work? I don't know that it does or doesn't. Some people, it, it, it definitely can help them. Some people it doesn't. But I think Tom Izzo knows which athletes he can do that to and which athletes he can't. Is it crossing the line? Some people say it is. But I think when a young man decides to play on a team with a coach like that, they know what they're getting into. Do I agree with that type of screaming and yelling and going ballistic? No, but in college basketball... It's an intense sport, and is it something that should be done? That depends on the coach. It depends on the athletes, and it depends on their communication. Now, 
I've watched enough Michigan State basketball games. Tom Izzo's a very emotional guy. Both ways. He can be excited and also upset. But the players who go there know what that's what they're getting into. At the same time, we've just seen the North Carolina women's coach, Sylvia Hatchell, be accused of making racially insensitive comments to players. And she and her staff have been suspended. She told her players they get hanged from trees with nooses by their opponents in an upcoming game and encouraged them to take part in a war chant to honor an assistant coach with Native American heritage. They've been placed on leave. Several people with knowledge said six parents of current players met with the university about this. Her attorney denies it, says she doesn't have a racial burden on her body. She's been coaching for 44 years. She's in the Hall of Fame. She's been there since 1986. Has a record of 751 and 325, including a national championship in 1994 and two Final Four appearances. She's won more than 1,000 games. Does that make it acceptable? You know, this brings up this whole issue of motivation. It brings up the issue of coaching styles. What's appropriate, what isn't? Obviously, in our society today, there is much more of an awareness about how we talk to people. I think the Me Too movement has opened the eyes up for many people about respect for women, respect for people. So when we look at coaching, what works and what doesn't? I want to open up our phone lines, and I want to hear from you if you're a coach. I want to hear from you if you're an athlete. I want to hear from you if you're a parent. What type of coaching style works? What type of coaching style doesn't work? And when it comes to motivation, coaches have to be imaginative. They can't be bland. They have to come up with different things. They have to find ways to get their athletes to be excited. When you play a whole bunch of games, there are different ways to motivate at different times. And I think as a coach, I've said this for years, a good coach is a good psychologist. A good coach is able to understand what they need to say, what they need to do to get their athletes to be motivated. But as an athlete, when you have a coach who offends you or says something that bothers you, do you say something to that coach? Are you too scared to say anything? That becomes an issue. So how do athletes and coaches communicate about motivation and and communicate about communication? So I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach and you've had trouble motivating an athlete before. What did you do to try to get them, can be a male or female, try to get that athlete to play better? I want to hear from you if you're an athlete. What do you need from your coach to get going, to get pumped up, to get motivated? Do you need intensity? Do you need motivation? Do you need anything? And what do you do if you have a coach who tries to get under your skin? What do you do if your coach tries to challenge you in a way that's offensive to you? How do you react to that? You know, a lot of athletes will tell me they're scared to say anything to their coaches. I've worked for years with professional athletes, with the teams I've been with, where I've literally taken athletes into the head coach or manager's office and told them to talk to the coach. 
I mean, when the teams that I've worked with, the coaches have been encouraging me also to have athletes come talk to them if there's an issue. And basically, every time we did that, we got stuff worked out. I had many, many, I've had major league baseball players when I've worked with teams who've been scared to talk to the manager. Scared. Scared because they were afraid they were going to be seen as weak. Now, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength to go in there and talk with him about what motivates you and what doesn't. If saying offensive things to you bothers you and you don't say anything back to him or her, they're going to keep doing it. So it's about the communication. So motivation, communication, it's all important. What motivates you as an athlete That's part of the issue here. So I want to open up our phone lines. I want to get some calls in here. Let's get some discussion going this morning. I'm here every week. We talk about these topics, but I think this is an important one. What motivates you as an athlete? And what type of coaching style works for you and what doesn't? And if you're a coach, how do you motivate your athletes to be their best? What do you need to do? Is what Sylvia Hatchell has been accused of doing wrong? Is what Tom Izzo did at the NCAA tournament in the opening round wrong, in your opinion? Let's get your opinions. Let's get some conversation going. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach, if you're an athlete, if you're a parent. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years, and with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, Just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, Go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. We first opened about 10 years ago. 
We were, we're small, just a few of us, but it was exciting. I always dreamt of having my own business. It was kind of slow at first, but things started picking up. We had big plans, but in our wildest dreams, we never, never thought we'd have this much work. Yeah, with so many businesses caught off guard by the storm, Reed Waste Management has never been busier. What will become of your business after a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now, before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Most of my family, they never graduated high school or even let alone go to college, so I'm trying to break that barrier. My daughter, Brooklyn, was also a motivation for me to go back to school. Every day after work, went straight to school, studied hard, and, and it paid off. At age 26, Kareem finished his high school diploma. I could not have done it alone. I feel like if I didn't have anyone to push me, I wouldn't have even bother to do it. I got one milestone down the drain, and now I got to work on the next. I see the future is really bright for me. I feel like it doesn't matter the age, as long as you go back and get it done. The high school diploma is just added to the confidence, and now I feel unstoppable. No one gets a diploma alone. You have more support than you realize. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about sports psychology, and today I'm bringing up the topic of motivation. If you are a coach, how do you motivate your athletes to be their best? What do you need to do? What do you need to say? What tactics do you use? This is in light of a couple of stories that have happened recently. The NCAA tournament, the opening round, Tom Izzo was criticized heavily for yelling at one of his players, for making a bad play during during the game. And then in a huddle, he was going after him as well, and he had to be restrained by Cassius Winston, the star player of the team, Big Ten Player of the Year. And now the North Carolina women's basketball coach, Hall of Fame coach, Sylvia Hatchell, has been suspended with her staff for making racially insensitive comments to her players. She made the comment to her players, they get hanged from trees with nooses by their opponents in an upcoming game. They've now been suspended. What's appropriate in terms of motivation with your athletes and what isn't? If you're a coach, I'd like to hear from you and find out what you do. If you have an athlete who's not doing their best. They're not playing their best. They're not performing the way they should. You know there are some things that they can do better. What do you do? How do you motivate them? How do you challenge them? How do you try to get them going? I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach. If you are an athlete and you've had a coach who tried to motivate you but didn't, 
maybe offended you, maybe said things to try to get you going. How did you react to that? What does it take for you, for your coach, to help get you going? You know, the way we communicate is so important. How we communicate is so important. One of the key things that I have found throughout my entire career is the word respect. And what does that word mean? And how does that fit into the picture? When you're talking about respecting your athletes, respecting their limits, your limits as a coach, you have to understand what that is. What can I say? What can I say? That's where understanding your athletes and getting to know them is important. That's where communicating with them about what are the things that get them excited and what doesn't get them excited, what are the things that motivate them, what doesn't, is important. And that's where understanding what it is you need to do to help them reach their goals. Now, one of the words that pops up as I'm talking here is the word fear. A lot of people are scared. A lot of coaches are scared to push too hard for fear of being accused of being a bully, being harsh. A lot of athletes are extra sensitive to what a coach might say to them. So the whole communication style, I think, has to start from the beginning. When you start coaching a team, get to understand your athletes. What are their goals? Why are they there? What do they want to accomplish? And talk with them, communicate with them about what you need to say, what you need to do to get them to reach their goals. I think a lot of that is very important. And then that can put you at a place where maybe you can challenge them in a way you might not challenge another athlete. But what is appropriate and what goes over the line? I've mentioned before on this show, I've had a client who's a high school basketball player, a point guard, who made a bad pass in practice. Then huddled up, he got drilled in the back of the head with the basketball. Turned around, the assistant coach threw it at him, hit him in the back of his head, and cursed him out for making a bad pass. His dad called me that night, left a message. I called him back, was distraught. Said, Dr. Jacobs, my son got hit in the back of the head by the assistant coach. I said, well, then you need to call tomorrow morning, this is in the evening, you need to call that school, and you need to talk to the principal, the athletic director, the head coach, and that assistant coach, and I think that assistant coach should be fired. I don't think you throw a basketball at a player in the back of his head for making a bad pass in practice. Well, guess what? That coach is still coaching there. They didn't do anything. Now, that young man quit the team and actually switched from a Kansas school to a Missouri school and finished his high school career. Where does a coach draw the line? Where's going over the line? What is it? I'd like to get some calls in here. I want to hear from you if you're a coach. What do you use to motivate your athletes? And what do you do when you have an athlete who you know has, quote, ability or talent or skill that they're not utilizing? What do you try to do to get them to bring that out of them? We haven't had any calls yet. I'd like to get some calls in here unless we can get a discussion going about this. I think it's an important topic. When you have this situation with the North Carolina Hall of Fame women's basketball coach being suspended for making racially insensitive comments, that's telling me right there, you know what, this is going on at all levels. 
Because if a Hall of Fame coach is saying this, who knows what other coaches are saying? So what do you do if you're a coach and you are having trouble motivating your athletes? What do you say to them? How do you say it? Where does anger fit in? You know, I have a lot of people say to me, Doc, my son's coach screams and yells at him all the time. There are teachers don't scream and yell at him if they screw up. Why should a coach? I said, well, that's a good question. Probably something your son or daughter needs to ask the coach. That's at the high school level. At the middle school level. I have a saying, a good coach checks his or her ego at the door. Because I don't think it's about the coach. I think it's about the athlete. Now, there are all kinds of motivational styles. You can be authoritarian. You can be laissez-faire. You can be neutral. You can leave it up to the athletes. But your job as a coach is to help develop, teach, guide, instruct, motivate the athletes. And that's where I say it starts with you and that athlete understanding each other, getting on the same page. So if you are a coach, how do you motivate your team? How do you motivate your athletes? What do you do when you have an athlete or a team that is not performing the way you see them being able to perform? I want to hear from you. What do you do to get them to reach their potential? If you are an athlete, have you had a coach who went over the line with you, who went too far, who said some things that were offensive, that you did not like, that bothered you? How did you react to that? How did you respond to that? What did you say to your coach? Or did you or were you too scared to say anything? And if you're a parent and you have found or heard that your child's coach has said something offensive, inappropriate, then what do you do? Do you get involved? Do you leave it up to your son or daughter? If your son or daughter is 13 or 14, I think they need to take responsibility. Younger than that, you as a parent need to get involved. However, if your son or daughter is 13 or 14 or older and their coach is saying some things that are pretty offensive, I think you should also get involved. All right, I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach. I want to hear from you if you're a parent. I want to hear from you if you're an athlete. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. I'm talking about motivation. I'm talking about coaches' limits. Give me a call and let's talk. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. 
There are many sounds in your day-to-day -day life. There are sounds that wake you up. Sounds that make you smile. Sounds that energize you. And sounds that help you relax. But there are some sounds that can alert you to danger and can help save lives. Wireless emergency alerts, now on many mobile devices, use a unique sound and vibration to bring you information about severe weather events, amber alerts, or other emergencies in your area. With critical information from local sources you know and trust, you can be in the know, wherever you are. For more information, visit ready.gov alerts. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Um, hello, it's me. The designer jeans in your closet. The back of your closet. What am I doing here? Would you keep caviar in the back of your fridge with the ketchup and old milk? Yeah, I don't think so. So what happened to us? I mean, have you seen my label? I used to summer in the Hamptons and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Sure, I never really fit you quite right, and one of my pockets is so small you can't even squeeze your hand into it. But it's all about the look. And I look good. I need to get back out on the scene so I can be seen. You know, going to fancy parties, getting expensive iced coffees, Sunday fun days, okay? So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create new jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHP in Kansas City. I'm here every week. And today's topic is the issue of motivation, motivating your athletes. Where does a coach go over the line in light of recent situations that have happened in college basketball? The University of North Carolina women's basketball coach, Hall of Fame coach Sylvia Hatchell and her staff have been suspended for allegedly making racially insensitive comments and pressuring athletes to play while injured. Tom Izzo was heavily criticized in the opening round of the NCAA tournament for yelling at one of his players during a play and then in a timeout. So what motivates an athlete? 
What do you need to do as a coach to motivate an athlete? And where do you go? Where you, where do you go too far? Where is a coach who maybe you have gone over the line? I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach. I'd like to hear from you if you're an athlete. If you're an athlete and you have a coach who's trying to motivate you, it isn't working. What do you do about that? If they say things to you that you don't like, how do you react to that? Let's see what Dennis has to say. Dennis, good morning. Thanks for calling. How are you? I'm great, Dr. Jacobs. Uh, you know, as a young athlete, several sports, I had a variety of coaches back in the 60s and 70s. And then watching a lot of professional sports uh, and looking at how these people influenced me, like Phil Jackson uh, with the with the Lakers and with the Bulls uh, and the coaches I had in high school and college. And what I came away with when I decided I was going to coach kids was I'm going to ask that player what standard they want to be held to. And then I'm going to tell them what standard I expect of them if it's a sport, uh, their, their commitment to the other players, uh, to the school, uh, which is, part of their commitment to themselves uh, to excel and be as great as they can be. And I often use the example of Michael because Michael never got anywhere until he realized that the team had to be part of the winning. But, you know, the crunch time came, everybody knew that Michael could take over the game. Kobe could take over the game. You know, different players have that ability. I think we saw that in the Final Four. We saw some players really express themselves, their abilities at critical times. Uh, so, you know, I, I really think it's a double-edged sword. It's it's what what are you going to hold that player to uh, based on what the team needs and what you expect in the school and also what that player expects to do, achieve? I think you're making excellent sense. Let me ask you a couple of questions, Dennis. First of all, do you think you ever went over the edge or went too far? As a coach, no, I don't think I ever did. But as a player, I certainly did. Uh, you know, I, I went off on, on my teammates one time, uh, which was totally out of... Uh, and I was a bench player most of the time. I was so determined to be a defensive star that it, it made me angry when other players who were more skilled at scoring and other aspects of the game didn't uh, bring everything, everything they had to the game. And, it, uh, you know, he got on my face for that, and he got a pretty demonstrative privately with me and he said you know i'm not going to put you down in front of the other players because honestly i'd like them to do the same thing but you can't you can't approach the team that way you need to to me well where do you think a coach goes too far okay as someone who's coached for a long time where would you I'll, say a coach goes too far i'll just say one name bobby knight I don't know how I can react to that because, yeah, throwing chairs, losing it. But there are also players, though, Dennis, who swore by him as well. Well, I think it's it's kind of the military experience. In, in my career, I've dealt with a lot of ex-military. And some of the of the veterans would say things like, uh, well, you know, my, my drill instructor uh, made me into a man. Uh, and then I had other people say that I hated my drill instructor. Well, that's where this – let me ask this question because I mentioned earlier in, in, in our earlier segment the importance of communicating and the importance as a coach of getting to understand your athletes. A coach needs to be a good psychologist. And what I mean by that is you need to really understand the motivational 
reasons that athlete's on the team, what, mo- what, what their goals are, what motivates them, what challenges them, and how you can help them accomplish their goals. And your job as a coach is to be able to understand that. If screaming and yelling is your way of motivating athletes, that's not going to work for everybody, and it's going to turn some people off. This situation, let me ask you, the situation in North Carolina with Hall of Fame women's basketball coach suspended for making racially insensitive comments and claiming that pressuring athletes to play while injured. If you were a parent of a young lady on that team, what would you do? Well, I would definitely uh, do what you had mentioned earlier and take appropriate action in notifying a school. And uh, I actually pulled my daughter off of a high school swim team uh, after she had been heavily recruited to go there because the coach used executives with her. And in my home and the way I raised my child, you don't, you don't talk to people like that. So I just took her out. Uh, had her swim for a local uh, team, not a high school. But, uh, you know, the, w- your point about where do you draw the line, uh, <laughs> you know, until somebody blows the whistle on a coach a player, they can get by with murder. Uh, I think that one of the best examples of great coaching we could see today who's very uh, uh, in the media would be Calipari. Uh, he seems to be able to deal with individual personalities and, and be demonstrative, but I've never heard of him downgrading a player. Dressing them down? Yes, but not downgrading them. Well, I think great coaches have that ability. I remember, I know John from when I worked at KU as the KU sports psychologist back in the 80s when he was a grad assistant on the team when I, when I was the team psychologist and Larry Brown was there. And I knew he was going to be a coach. I mean, I knew he was going to be a great coach. You, he had all the qualities because he got it. He, he came up through the ranks. And, yeah, good coaches, I think, as I said earlier, Dennis, good coaches are good communicators. Bad coaches don't know how to communicate effectively because their ego gets in the way. Listen, sir, thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate it. You have a great day. And I'd like to hear from you. If you're a coach, how do you motivate your athletes to reach their potential? And have you ever gone too far? Have you ever gone over the edge of trying to motivate your athletes and then actually tried to take it back? As an athlete, have you ever had a coach who pushed you too hard, turned you off, upset you? I'd like to hear if you're a coach, if you're an athlete. If you're a parent, your son or daughter comes home and tells you that the coach maybe said something offensive says something inappropriate, maybe push them too hard. What do you do as a parent? Do you get involved? Do you have the athlete take care of it? Like I said earlier, I think if your son or daughter is 13 or 14 or older, then that's where they need to take responsibility. But that doesn't mean you still can't be involved. But younger than that, I think that's where you have to step in. And, you know, one of the things a lot of parents are scared to do is say anything because they don't want to cause... Their son or daughter playing time. They don't want to screw up the situation. They don't want to think the coach let the, have, have the coach think they're too involved. But it's important to communicate. It's important to set goals. It's important to set parameters and limits. And I think it's really important as a parent to know when you need to say something and when you shouldn't. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Want to get some calls in here? Go to our next break. We'll come back. Get some calls on the line. And talk about this. As a coach, where do you go too far 
have you ever gone too far trying to motivate your athletes? As a parent, have you ever had a coach of your son or daughter that you think has done something inappropriate? What do you do? And as an athlete, if you've had a coach who's pushed you too hard, do you say something? Are you too scared to say something? How do you handle the situation? I want to hear from you if you're a coach. I want to hear from you if you're an athlete. I want to hear from you if you're a parent. Motivating athletes is a key issue to reach your potential. But where do you go too far? That's what we're talking about. I want to hear from you. Give me a call and let's talk. This is the Sports Sports Psychology Psychology Hour. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years. And with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, Just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Excuse me, I know you have a 9 o'clock, so I'll keep this short. I'm the business suit in the back of your closet. You wore me nearly every day before your office went, quote, casual. I used to be the CEO of your closet. Now I'm just that one intern no one ever talks to. I always thought you'd circle back with me, get granular, keep me in the pipeline. But nada, nothing. Don't you remember the McKittrick presentation? You spilled coffee on me, and I still looked amazing during the breakout talkback Q&A. So, I think it's time for me to move on. I've got a great resume, and I absolutely crush it in interviews, okay? Let's make this a clean break. Shift the paradigm. The only thing I ask is that you think outside the box here and do this. Take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create new jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.
This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm here every week from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Our show is now on in numerous cities around the country. And our list is growing. I'm excited about that. And, you know, I talk about sports psychology on this show and talk about mindsets and motivation and attitudes. And today's topic is this. Where does a coach maybe go over the line in terms of trying to motivate their athletes? In light of recent situations that have happened in college basketball, especially with the North Carolina women's basketball coach and her staff being suspended, Hall of Fame coach Sylvia Hatchell has won an NCAA title. She's been put on leave, being investigated for making racially insensitive comments and pressuring athletes to play while injured. Where is the point as a coach you go too far? As a parent... What do you do when your child's coach is pushing them too hard? And what's too hard? Let's go back to the phones. Let's see what Bill has to say. Bill, thanks for calling. How are you? Morning, Doc. Um, <clears throat> you said one thing that uh, really resonated with me after coaching for a long, long time. Well, I recognize you. This is Bill McDonald, who I've, I've talked to many times, and I respect immensely. Bill, you coached baseball for, what, over 30 years? Is that right? 50. 50. Well, there you go. Yeah, it was over 30. <laughs> 50 years. You coached a long time, and you understand this. So, yeah, I'd very much like to hear your opinion. You know, I the one thing that you said to a previous caller that was on the line was leave the player with dignity. You know, and I think that is uh, critical in building credit with the, with the player, that when you do get on them, because you have to get on them, because you're making them do something that they don't really want to do. They don't really want to put that effort out. Or they don't it's know they can do. Right. But I just think that to – to I, I, I can never be on this phone and say that I have not gotten after a player. But I built credit with that player to let him know that this is the skill that I'm trying to teach him, and therefore this is the level you have to come to. Izzo. I agree 100% with Izzo, other than his gestures with his hands. He saw a player that was not giving the effort that he needed to give in order to get the team to where he and the team saw they wanted to go, but his pointing the finger in the face, the chest of the player could be handled differently on the bench or in the huddle rather than degrading him in front of everybody. Right, and I, and, I, and I agree with you on that. And Look, that guy's a coach for years. Some have questioned his tactics over the years of being too hard. But I think if a player goes to play for him, they know what they're getting into. So it's not, right. it's not like you're an 8-year-old signing up for a Little League baseball team. I mean, I think... Right. But he's, he's built credit with them to be able to, to do that, and players were able to speak back to him um, as far as the North Carolina coach, racial slurs, that there's just absolutely no place in sport to get your ego involved where they're not getting to where you think they need to get, so you have to racially or you have to make insensitive comments. I, I, to be honest with you, Doc, I'm, I'm fairly disappointed with many of the high school coaches that I observed in my latter years of coaching in the conduct that they had with swearing at the kids, degrading the kids, and thinking that that's going to motivate them. And what it does, you can just feel the sideline, the dugout, you can just feel it go down. Well, Bill, I, let me ask you, coached, you coached high school baseball f for a long time. 
Do you know any teachers who, when a, a young man or young lady bombs a test, that they curse them out and scream and yell at them? No, 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 and scream and yell at them. But I do know teachers in in the two big schools that I've been in that have been degrading to the kids. And I've seen that in situations where they're not screaming and yelling, but they intellectually put them down in front of the group. And, what, and what's accomplished by that? Nothing's accomplished by that. Constructively, that, nothing constructively. I, I can take that same situation, let everybody in the classroom leave, and let that person know one-on-one how I'm going to help them overcome whatever deficiencies they have in the classroom, on the baseball field, on the basketball court. As far as throwing a basketball at somebody hitting the back of the head, you know, if that happened in the 50s or the 60s when I grew up, I'm back practicing the next day because that was just a different era. That was uh, uh, my high school coach when I was a freshman in high school used to knock kids to the ground and get on top of us and, and pound us in the chest. And we'd all get up and start practicing again like nothing ever happened. Well, this is and, something that happened within the last couple of years. Right. And so and he is still today, co- he is still at that school coaching. Well, that's the decision that the school has to make. Um, but, but the bottom line is, you as a coach, you as a parent, you can do these things by talking, sitting down, talking, letting them know where you're coming from, where you see the vision as to where they could get – because if you leave them with a vision of what you see they're capable of doing, that young man, that young lady, I think, will really strive to get there. Now, not all of them. Not all of them, but the majority will strive to get there. And as far as a high school young man, he needs to go in and talk to the coach about hitting him back of the head with a basketball. The dad calling you the next that, that very night, the recommendation would be, in my opinion, the young man needs to go talk to the coach as to what happened. After that happens, the dad needs to come in, not just say, okay, son, you go talk to him, and that's it. No, the dad needs to go in and talk to him. The dad needs to talk to the athletic director. Well, he did. Something. He went into the school. He and his, The parents both went in the next day and met with the coaches, the athletic director, and the principal, and the uh, coach was allowed to continue. He apologized and said he wouldn't do it again. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't care. Is, you don't throw a ball and hit is. a kid in the back of the head. I mean, you just don't do that. No, you don't. But the key is dignity. Leave everybody with dignity. And you leave them that night at practice with dignity. Um, I never left a season without the players telling me what I needed to do to be better with them. And I would not let them leave the practice, the game, if I talked to them after the game. I would not let them leave the game until they instructed me what I could do better to coach them. Well, Therefore, there's a reason you coach credit with them. There's a reason you coach for over 50 years. Okay? There's a reason for that. But the the fact is, Bill, there are a lot of people out there at all levels whose egos get in the way and it becomes more about them than it becomes about the players. And then their insecurities, their insecurities come out and that's where it all goes. I learned as a young coach, my first year, I did coach basketball 13 years also. In combined with baseball and basketball, and I was a, a JV coach, a sophomore coach, then a JV coach in basketball. And it was our first or second game, my first year at Shawnee Mission South. And we had a young man. We were playing at a high school, an old gym that used to have the overhang of the balcony. If you shot from the corner, you're probably going to hit the overhang. And I had a young man. We had a lead, and I had a young man that just kept shooting and hitting the overhang. 
okay, we lose by a point or two. We go into the locker room, and I look at him, and I say, you cost us the game. And I could see on his face the devastation that I placed on him. And so I had to learn from that that I don't speak and embarrass somebody in front of the club like that. How did you correct that? By never doing it again and calling him in and seeing him the next day and telling him I was 100% wrong ever saying something like that because you did not. And I never, ever said again the next 49 years that anybody costs us the game. I talked about ways that I hurt our team. If a young man made a ridiculous base running mistake, I never dressed him down in front of the crowd. We would talk about it in the dugout. We would talk about it after the game. So I left him with dignity. Well, Bill, see, you're hitting on two things, and I have to let you go because we're running out of time here. Dignity and communication, along with with respect. And that's why you coach for 50 years. Sir, thank you, as always, for calling in. You always have great comments. You've been a guest on the show before. And I want to thank you because you added so much credence to what we've talked about today. Thank you, sir. Thanks for your show. Thanks for your show. You take care. All right, that was Bill McDonald, who has, I respect immensely, coached for over 50 years, high school baseball, as well as other things, and, and gets it. Dignity. The t- today's topic was about this whole issue of communication, the issue of motivation, and, and the issue of respect. So I think if you're a coach, if you pick something up from today's topic, here's the thing. Understand your athletes. Understand why they're on the team. What do they want? What are their goals? What are their motivations? Where do they want to go? Spend some time talking, communicating, and listening to them. That's going to help you understand how to motivate them better. It's going to help you understand how to be a better coach. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. If you want to reach me, there are several ways to get a hold of me. You can follow us on Twitter at at drjsportspsych, at drjsportpsych. My website is winnersunlimited.com, W-I-N-N-E-R-S, unlimited.com. You can send me an email at drj at com, and you can always reach me at my office, which is 816-561-5556, 816-561-5556. I do take on new clients. I give talks on these topics all the time. I'd love to hear from you. And please check out our book, Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes for Youth Sports. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products.
most of my family, they never graduated high school or even let alone go to college. So I'm trying to break that barrier. My daughter, Brooklyn, was also a motivation for me to go back to school. Every day after work, went straight to school, studied hard, and, and it paid off. At age 26, Kareem finished his high school diploma. I could not have done it alone. I feel like if I didn't have anyone to push me, I wouldn't have even bothered to do it. I got one milestone down the drain, and now I got to work on the next. I see the future is really bright for me. I feel like it doesn't matter the age, as long as you go back and get it done. The high school diploma is just added to the confidence, and now I feel unstoppable. No one gets a diploma alone. You have more support than you realize. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. We first opened about 10 years ago. We were, we were small, just a few of us, but it was exciting. I always dreamt of having my own business. It was kind of slow at first, but things started picking up. We had big plans. But in our wildest dreams, we never, never thought we'd have this much work. Yeah, with so many businesses caught off guard by the storm, Reed Waste Management has never been busier. What will become of your business after a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now, before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council.